Hi, everyone. Um, welcome to our third series on the Ajial podcast. This series is called Youth Perspectives in the Arabian Gulf, and it is brought to you in collaboration with the Arab Youth Climate Movement in Qatar, along with my colleague here, Nishad Shafi. Um, and we're going to be discussing in this episode how can youth be involved in nature and climate decision making within the GCC. We will define what the GCC is in a couple of seconds. With me or with us is our guest, Romaitha Al-Busaidi from Oman, from Muscat. And she is the founder of Womex, a platform that teaches negotiation skills to Arab women. She's also the first female soccer analyst in the Arab world. And she's the youngest Omani woman to step foot on the South Pole. And she recently debuted her TED Talk and why women are more likely to be impacted and displaced by climate catastrophes, which had over a million views, I guess, and a lot more. Welcome, Romaitha. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Um, just to introduce our audience, what is the GCC? The GCC stands for the Gulf Cooperation Council, and it's a regional intergovernmental, political, and economic union formed between the following countries. Bahrain, Kuwait, Oman, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, and the United Arab Emirates. Um, seven main objectives of the GCC. Number one, economic and financial affairs. Number two, commerce affairs, customs and communications, education and culture, social and health affairs, information and tourism, legislative and administrative affairs, but not an objective about the climate, which is why we are here today to discuss this. Um, the purpose of today's episode is to discuss would adding a climate objective reinforce and strengthen cooperation to tackle the climate crisis in the Arabian Gulf. Um, let's switch to our first segment, quick questions with quick answers. Uh, I'll ask Romaitha and then Mishad, if you like, you could also give your input after Romaitha on each question. Uh, first question from one to 10. How involved are Gulf youth in climate decision-making? I'd say five. Okay. Nishad? Well, I mean, you want to have a follow-up question to that? I mean, uh, definitely, uh, uh, it's quite good to have Rometa with us today, uh, one of the leading women in the Gulf region, I mean, working actively amongst the youth and other communities here. So, I mean, well, the, the answer definitely makes uh, quite you know, understandable why it's five, because it's, it's, a, it's a region which is growing up and young people are understanding how, it involved, how important to have involvement of young people in government decision makings and why it's necessary. So yeah, wonderful answers. I mean, uh, you, you can go on. Uh, right. Um, second question, which one is more effective, community-based action or government action, specifically in the Gulf, I would say? Government action, one hundred percent. Okay, you said what you <laughs> I mean, that's not an, uh, an expected answer because often most of the Gulf countries are rentier states. Much of the things are done by the government, the community. Of course, it comes with an enormous wealth from the oil and gas industry. So, I mean, no, no doubt in that answer. All right, and third and last question for the first segment: How would you describe youth involvement and in grassroots action in the Gulf? with one word only. Um, it's tough for one word. Um, <laughs> if you were. I would say limited. 
Limited? Okay. What <laughs> about you, well, I mean, I would add limited plus learning. I mean, I've seen a lot of young people joining. Of course, the decision making is government. The government, you know, ministries are like people filled with the young people. I mean, I see even Romita also, you know, sort of do a sort of, you know, work with the ministry also supporting through the, um, I think, Roman Environmental Society, which is actively working within the government. So there is, you know, there is sort of connection. I think young people are evolving, learning. So it's like limited plus learning and probably... In two, three years, when we call up Romita, she would say, um, yeah, they are, they, are, they are making decisions now. Right, perfect. Yeah, hopefully we'll be, yeah, hopefully we'll be growing and ever-developing. Uh, that would be something that I'm very optimistic with. But the main sentiment behind saying it's limited is because I would like, I really hope that there's more encouragement to get more youth involved. So that's uh, the sentiment behind the, that answer. Yeah. 100%. Absolutely. All right, let's jump to our obvious question of today, the question of the episode. We know that GCC has seven main objectives. Why do we still lack a climate objective? Um, do you think it's beneficial to include the climate objective within the GCC's agreement? Or do you think it's better for them as individual countries to take their own actions? What do you think about adding a climate objective? So I would say it's, it, it's quite challenging to kind of get all countries on board on the same level on what they think in terms of the climate. I mean, we have the example of, for instance, Saudi Arabia um, showing the sentiment that they are still developing. And this is a, a, a sentiment that I think a lot of developing countries are still, um, or global South countries are still struggling with. Like we're emerging economies, we're developing countries. We still need to develop. You can't really restrict me from my carbon footprint uh, in comparison to a developed country that has already done all the damage that they have done, and you're limiting me, and I'm the so. Um, but I would say it's it's very important uh, climate at the moment, and we see it as well, specifically in the UAE, how they are actually using climate diplomacy to actually further uh, their agenda in terms of really bringing people together to really hit those targets for the Paris Agreement. Um, so I, see, I actually see that the climate objective for the GCC is important and something that needs to be discussed on the table there. I'm very optimistic when it comes to that, especially with the efforts that we're seeing right now on how people are actually moving to really achieve those NDCs that they've promised with the Paris Agreement and having the U.S. back, uh, having John Kerry really pushing this um, agenda forward, I think a lot of countries, including the GCC, will really want to kind of know they're really serious when it comes to meeting the Yeah, it's, uh, there's a way to actually reach that goal to kind of include it into the main objectives. Uh, the main reason I'm a bit kind of hesitant to it, um, and I'll be very clear, is there's other things that really are on the minds of other of the GCC states. We need to diversify the economy as soon as possible away from oil and gas. Um, we've seen the effects of COVID. We've seen the effects of the oil prices that really was combined with COVID and how it affected the economy. So if you're going to really dangle the climate objective now, I don't think um, people will take you seriously because they have other things that are way more important that are very urgent at the moment, uh, which has to do with employment and so on. 
So it's a matter of how you really frame the narrative together to make those decision makers and policymakers understand that with the climate, you can really achieve all your objectives that you want. Um, and um, as a result of that, you can both save nature and really conserve it, but also hit the targets that you really want for the future of your country. Yeah, um, absolutely, Romita. That makes uh, definitely sense. And also, the, like you mentioned, a lot of commitments coming from the Gulf countries recently. I hope that commitments are ambitious enough, but uh, implementations is that what is key. And one of the key points you just mentioned, I just remember the article I just recently wrote about the diplomacy by the US administration in the Gulf countries has been quite enormous. Like uh, John Kerry, the special envoy, was uh, twice in UAE, visited Saudi Arabia the main leaders, and uh, they were also invited for the uh, U.S. climate summit, including um, Turkey, Saudi Arabia, UAE, and Israel. So th th there have been a quite, um, uh, you know, the diplomacy thing is quite very well used by UAE, as you mentioned, which is also like uh, giving a much more space. The UAE has been quite in that areas of uh, climate adaptation and sustainability, and now they are more into their, uh, and one of the countries to submit uh, their revised NDCs with um, staggering numbers as such, which, you know, in the past, we always know indices from the Gulf countries never used to have numbers. But now you see UAE is setting that stage, and we're also hoping countries like Saudi Arabia also come with some great numbers. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, let's, 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 let's go forward, yes. Yeah, and I would actually have to say that I applaud the UAE and the direction that they're really using. I mean, it's not every day that you actually see a country utilizing something that a lot of people have really forgotten, and that's using climate to serve other objectives that you have, be it economical objectives, be it other objectives politically as well speaking, where they're actually really in touch with small island countries like seashells, like Maldives, um, I'm sorry, Mauritius as well. You actually do see that it cannot, like using that climate diplomacy as an open and like gate for them to kind of um, establish more cooperation and partnerships. And I think more and more countries should follow suit and kind of use climate diplomacy to the advantage of everyone involved, exactly. All right, well, um, okay. Listening to this, i just like to divert um, the discussion into youth involvement specifically. So moving away from actually having a climate objective would, would having the climate objective within the GCC mean better youth cooperation um, within the GCC countries? Because I'm mentioning this not just to mention climate objectives and actions and technical, you know, technical solutions for the climate, but also talking about how can youth you know, be able to make more decisions on a high level? Would the GCC be a good you know, be a good place for youth to actually have that ability? I would actually say 100%. That's a, a brilliant platform to actually get more young people involved. Um, if we're actually going back a bit on the grassroots level and really under spreading that awareness of what climate is, a lot of people, especially the young people in the Gulf or the GCC in general, there's a co constant confusion of what climate issues actually mean uh, when you talk about climate people are like yeah i'm going green like i'm not printing paper um, 
I'm switching off, I'm doing energy efficiency stuff. And that's not really necessarily the climate objectives and the policy that we're talking about. So I think um, the GCC could be a really good platform to kind of spread awareness on what exactly these climate objectives are. What are the country's NDCs? Um, you tend to hear a lot of, you don't tend to hear a lot, maybe um, just to kind of reframe it. You don't tend to hear a lot of what the efforts of the GCC countries are when it comes to COP, uh, when it comes to their NDCs. I personally, coming as someone from Oman, uh, struggle to kind of find the representative of Oman in COP, uh, especially after the major restructure that happened in Oman, specifically uh, um, early this year. So it's quite confusing as well for you to maneuver if I am a young person who actually wants to work on climate issues, who do I go to? I think that's also very, uh, it's a big question mark in a lot of our countries and maybe establishing something on that level would allow people who actually want to do something to kind of cooperate with such an organization to also kind of spread the awareness of what you can do and what should be the focus when it comes to the climate. So I think um, awareness is the first thing that you need to do to kind of spread the awareness that you need to separate what climate is versus all, of course, we all love the environment, but when we talk about climate policy, it's very high level and it really is interconnected with the economy. And a lot of people tend to separate this too. Um, and the other thing would be to actually engage more young people who are really passionate about these issues. And most of the time, it's very interesting when you have these discussions, uh, they have the passion, but they just don't know where to kind of put it in. Um, NGOs are very restricted in the work that we do. Uh, and I I'll speak very honestly as well, just based on how the NGO sector is structured in the Gulf, it's, you're very limited in the ability of doing a lot of things. So this sort of entity and having young people under this umbrella um, would work to the advantage of everyone. I'll just give an example. Uh, just a friend of mine just shared, um, and that's as a result of the UK as well hosting the upcoming COP in Scotland, um, um, that they are actually uh, gathering people, uh, UK alumni from the GCC to kind of work on a climate policy hackathon. And that is something that the GCC as a structure could easily do. Um, people from their own homes could really work on climate policy ha uh, suggestions as well that would really help in advising and recommending to the states as well on what they could do on a higher level. So, yeah. Th th those are ways and, and avenues that I see that young people can really plug into and really work with uh, as well when it comes to the structure of the GCC itself. I don't know. I'm sure Nishad has more to say about I, that. I, I absolutely agree. Like, like how you started, like the, the, the climate change issue, uh, the understanding of climate change issue is very much limited to switch off your light and uh, close your taps, you know, that, that's, and, you know, recycle your plastic at a very cliche level understanding. I think, again, it has to be blamed to them. Global North, who brings all the stuff, you know, to the region, and they feel like, hey, you know, I'm a very green person, you know, not tend to understand the, the higher level of economics perspective, like you mentioned, Ramada. It's absolutely something very critical, you know. This understanding is what's that's the awareness we have to build here, where we have to see that there's a big level understanding where politics has to come in, where economy has to come in, and there is where the young people have to come and stand in between this. So there's absolutely, uh, you know, there is a lack of that understanding. That's why we sometimes say, I mean, our region is a bit behind in terms of awareness building, 
But people say that uh, we are all knowledgeable young people who are highly educated, but the fact is uh, there has been tend to see that sort of uh, awareness of what we really need to understand has been quite limited. Sometimes, like you mentioned, involvement is also limited up to that, uh, that decision-making level, or even to get involved, like you mentioned, corporate involvement of the government, how young people, where do we go? And uh, who do you, you know, have that conversation and say that these are our uh, demands, this is what we want to see in, in Oman or in Qatar or UAE in the coming next years. Because the fact the region is a very young and uh, highly, highly talented, educated, uh, you know, a lot of young people in the region has like entrepreneur skills, but, you know, they don't know what to do, where to go and what to do. I mean, I mean, for me, I see a lot of people want to be entrepreneur, but they say, hey, I, I literally end up as the owner of a coffee shop. That's that's a trend in uh, all of the GCC because they don't know where I can actually produce some of the things that can definitely help moving or diversifying their economy from a very grassroots level. And that's 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 something like I, I definitely agree with what Ramadan has mentioned right now. Yeah, so I th- I think it's all also has to do with the capacity that we have, right? Um, we can't say that we fully have all the expertise when it comes to climate issues and mapping out everything that we're really going through. And I think you just need more expertise when it comes to that, more discussions, more uncomfortable conversations that you, we tend to avoid when it comes to climate issues. Um, it's very interesting that you mentioned like how there's a bit of a disconnect there uh, that people don't really tend to see the bigger picture. Um, I was uh, recently, I took part in a forum um, that we were discussing about how the GCC youth can actually be a solution to the Yemen problem. And it was very interesting when you brought in climate, that is something that unites us all. That could actually be the way that you actually tackle a lot of these difficult conversations and difficult things that we tend to really tend to avoid. Um, we all kind of share the same, um, how do you say this? We say it in Arabic, like we all have the same destiny in the end of the day. We all in the, are in the same area. So we really need to work together to kind of see how we could push innovation, for instance, when it comes to water security issues, food security issues. Uh, when it comes to climate change, we're literally one of the most affected regions. And yet we don't see a lot of movement when it comes to that. And we just need to push and push more people to really think of it from that perspective. Like in 50 years from now, what would happen to our country? Already insane amount of heat at the moment like what uh, we recently had one of the highest temperatures in the shade which is over yeah. 50 something what would happen in 50 years would we be able to live here so it's just Thank kind you. of having that um narrative and that framework for us to kind of work together as well um and that actually unites us all like climate i think is the best way to unite everyone to work together on something that's so so for the public good, you know? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll stop there or I'll ramble forever. <laughs> Let me just intervene here. So what I could summarize from what you're trying to explain is that having youth, like a board for youth on the GCC should start as an initial step for raising awareness. But we went into this episode trying to see whether youth could have you know, power, political power in deciding on climate objectives within the GCC. Um, Do you think that could be possible? Or do you think, you know, there is a long way because of the political atmosphere within the GCC? um, Or should we just stick to, you know, 
um, like awareness as a first step? I mean, awareness will always be there. I, you need to have awareness throughout, so whether it's just for a particular target group, which is we're talking about young people and policymakers, or the, the whole public needs to understand that climate issues are beyond what we're talking about on the very simple individualistic um, efforts of people doing things. That's not, and I, I mean, the biggest example is we saw the Gulf of Mexico go on fire and people actually commented saying, what? Um, and you want me to kind of stop using straws? It kind of shows that you really need a big collective policy and a lot of government action aided with the community to kind of do something, right? So I, I really agree that there is potential there. There's political power for young people, at least those who are really plugged in. And there is potential there. Like I can guarantee you in all of the agencies for environment in the GCC, the majority are young people just based on our demographic. So the young people are there. It's just a matter of empowering them to speak up or giving them the positions to speak up. And we've seen examples of like, for instance, Oman, now we have a minister of youth. So we can utilize that capital power there. You could utilize the minister of youth in, in the UAE as well. And you have an entire climate envoy. So there are avenues that you could literally work on to get more young people who are plugged in, who know what's happening, on the ground who are really working on grassroots uh, initiatives and also on bigger um, strategy level uh, um, impact as well for the countries to kind of have that political power. So you could do both. But for me, I think for the public, it's very important for us to kind of spread their awareness. That you spread that awareness, more and more people would actually want to be involved in the political aspect of things too. So that's where I'm coming from. I hope that covers your answer or answers your question. Thank you, Maitha. Nisha, do you have any ending uh, thoughts on the on the topic? Thank you, Maitha. Well, um, more than understanding, we have more questions. You know that that's what it ends here. Like you know, like too many avenues to you know see what can be changing. And of course, the role of young people, like you mentioned, in the government organization. Yes, absolutely, there are a lot of young people within the ministry. But like you absolutely mentioned, are they given the power to make their decision? Because some of the young people are passionate about environment, studying environment engineering or master's in environment engineering, even a PhD, and they wouldn't be doing that decision-making process, absolutely the political system in that way. But they're coming in the coming generation, that whole level of the top uh, uh, hierarchy moves on and this people comes up and definitely I see that change. But if you ask uh, Ryan or maybe Romantha, the answer would be in the coming future, because at the moment yeah. I can see that leadership question, but yes, through um, NGOs or limited associations within the region, young people tend to voice their concerns, which is uh, which is quite um, important as well, because that is also a sense of community and the larger you know uh, commitment of the youth for the community. And thank you, Romita, that was like a super eye opener. Uh, you asked as an example of what you've been doing, so we didn't have a better person to explain those things. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciated this quick chat. <laughs> All right, well, th thanks a lot. Thank you everyone for watching this. Mm, reminder, the purpose was to ask or start asking, um, where do youth in the Gulf want to be regarding you know, the agenda for the climate? Where do you want to be? Where do you want to make the decisions? Is the GCC council you know, that destination? Um, we'll ask those questions for other you know, councils around the Gulf in later episodes. 
Thank you both so much. And yeah, we will link any further information that our guest Romaita has or Nishad has. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode with Romaita and I. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Let us know what you think in the comments section below. And remember that all the information and the guest's bio are linked in the blog post in the caption below. In next week's episode, we'll be discussing big green initiatives in the Gulf, such as the Saudi Green Initiative and the Middle East Green Initiative. So stay tuned for that. See you.